If this was a week your team had an NFL investigation, the hammer was surely dropped. Welcome to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. I'm Savadine, joined by Tyler Dragon. We are your NFL insiders with USA Today Sports. Uh, Tyler, a big, big week in NFL news, starting with the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson, his suspension. Also, the Miami Dolphins and their uh, investigation in regards to tampering and tanking, stemming from the Brian Flores lawsuit. Never, never, ever a dull moment in the NFL, Tyler. And not to be outdone, Marquise Hollywood Brown just got arrested for speeding uh, in the Phoenix area this morning. So it's just a never a shortage of storylines in the NFL. And we're in the thick of training camp. And unfortunately, we have a whole lot of news that isn't pertaining to training camp. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I would love to talk more about Lewis Hamilton joining the Broncos ownership group. I would love to talk more about Debo Samuel shining with some a wad of money and a photo shoot after he got a new deal. But Tyler, let's start off in Cleveland and the news just dropped here Wednesday afternoon as we're shooting. The NFL will appeal Deshaun Watson's six game suspension, which was recommended by Judge Sue Robinson earlier this week. Um, so Monday, Judd Robinson filled out or, you know, uh, released her entire report on her findings from the Deshaun Watson investigation. A reminder, only four of the 24 civil lawsuits and perhaps 30 cases that Deshaun Watson had were considered in this ruling. Um, the major sticking point in her ruling was that she found Deshaun Watson was not meant to be, quote unquote, violent. But um, a lot of people, a lot of people have... Um, really suggested, or, or excuse me, a lot of people really believe that the essence of sexual assault and sexual misconduct is violent and uh, believe Deshaun Watson's punishment was a little loose, a little too lenient. So with the NFL, you know, kind of projecting here and saying that, hey, we're going to appeal this for the first time in its juncture where it's found a disciplinary officer to kind of rule on it to see if they're going to stick or go with it. The NFL is deciding, hey, this may not be enough games. I think this is a really, really strong stance by the NFL, Tyler. Yeah, you know, when I read Judge Sue L. Robinson's uh, report, you know, two things kind of jumped out at me. And one of the first was the NFL has set a precedent uh, towards all the, you know, the violations of, you know, uh, conduct. And usually players are suspended around four, six, at most eight games. And so that's the precedent the NFL has set previously. And I think, um, you know, Judge Robinson was going on the NFL's track record. The NFL does not have rules that say, you know, if you violate this, you get X amount of games. There is no like clear black and white rule that the NFL has. So Judge Robinson was going off that. But then, you know, reading her report when she's saying Watson's pattern of conduct is more egregious than any uh, before reviewed by the NFL. I mean, that's, you know, a damning statement. That's a big statement. And based on the information that we have all heard that have come as came out about Deshaun Watson, you know, it leads me to believe and a lot of other people that, you know, Deshaun Watson should be suspended for a year or at bare minimum 12 games. And that was kind of um, the way things were trending when, you know, a couple months ago 
or even a couple weeks ago, a lot of people thought Deshaun Watson was going to be suspended for a year. And, you know, reports came out that the NFL was pushing for an indefinite suspension. And now it's just six games. Obviously, we've seen the NFL. uh, There's a whole lot of backlash over the decision. And the NFL is all about protecting the shield. And this is not a good look for the entire National Football League. Because like I said before, we should be talking about training camp and winners and losers, training camp battles, and Debo Samuel and all the other receivers getting huge paydays, Tom Brady coming out of retirement. But this whole offseason, pretty much, we have been talking about Deshaun Watson. Yes. And it's a bad look for the NFL. Yeah, Tyler, it's the biggest NFL story in you know, maybe the last couple of years, honestly. I mean, well, you have a quarterback who's was one of the faces of the league, right? Um, arguably right up there with, with Patrick Mahomes as one of the best young quarterbacks before, you know, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert got into the mix here and a bunch of other quarterbacks, of course. Yes, I don't want to disrespect anybody there, but, um, you know, let's recap the week, Tyler. Sunday, the NFLPA released a statement and, and encouraged uh, the NFL to not appeal Judge Robinson's decision, right? So when you hear that from the NFLPA and you hear that from Watson, you kind of get the sense that, hey, this may not be a long suspension. And by encouraging the NFL to kind of just stick with it, you're hoping to not, you know, further, you know, further this along and make this a longer fight. Uh, the NFL had until Thursday, but decided Wednesday afternoon um, it was going to appeal. And, and, and look, I don't, I don't know. Six games is obviously not what everybody wanted to hear when this first came down. Um, like I said, it felt a little lenient. Um, and the thing is, too, with Deshaun Watson and with all the people that he affected and the, the fan base of women that the league is trying to attract itself towards, how many games makes it justified? You know, does a year does a year do that? I'm not sure if a year does that. Because um, still there's going to be remorse and there's still going to be, um, you know, resented feelings that people have against Deshaun Watson for the rest of his life, um, you know, here. So six games, I mean, for me, it was it was definitely a little too lenient, but does eight games make it better? Does 10 games make it better? Does 12 games make it better? Does a year make it better? Maybe. But, I, you know, I, I think the NFL is really in the situation here, Tyler, and at some point Deshaun Watson is going to have to play. And at the end of the day, it's unfortunate and it's very, very sad to say, but the people that are affected by Deshaun Watson's actions, alleged actions, um, will continue to kind of, you know, suffer from this. And Watson himself will also personally suffer from this because of his reputation being tarnished forever. Yeah. And, you know, on Deshaun Watson's side, and not saying that I agree with anything that he has done, but um, those in his camp are saying that maybe he was got punished last year because he didn't play all of last season. So whatever amount of games he suspended this year, that is on top of missing all the games last year. Um, you know, I'm not saying I agree with that again. Hold on. Yeah, but hold on, Tyler. Hold on, Tyler. But he, he did not – last year sitting out, he did not sit out on – because he was disciplined. He sat on on his own because he did not want to play for the Texans. He did not want to play for owner Calvin there anymore. That's something that a lot of people forget here. I'm not saying that you are, but a lot of people forget that he sat out on his own recognizance, right? He made that own decision to not play. And still, even if he were to play, the NFL would have been in a huge, huge PR nightmare because of everything that happened. But 
Um, let's. I, I think that needs to be said a little bit more. That Watson didn't want to play for the Titans. Excuse me, to play for the Texans, even though that everything was still going on at the time. Yeah, and you know, I, I do agree with that. But you know, from what I've heard from his side, not saying they're correct, but they believe that also him sitting out last year is was some sort of punishment too, because other teams weren't eager in knocking down the Texans door and calling the Texans because he still had this huge ordeal, you know, going on. So that 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 is, you know, of their mindset. So whatever amount of games he suspended, whether it's six, eight, twelve whole season, they're like, well, he didn't play last year. So, you know, that's double the punishment. Um, but yeah, you know, this situation is it's hard to say what Deshaun Watson deserves, what type of punishment he deserves for his actions, because this is unprecedented. And, you know, we've never seen a situation like this. Is eight games enough? Like you said, it's 12. We don't know. Um, but based on what Sue Robinson, um, you know, her memo, the NFL has a track record with this. And there's been multiple situations, not the same, but multiple, where players have violated the personal conduct policy. And they've been suspended for two, four, six, and eight games. And that's just what the NFL has done. That's their track record. They have set up a precedent this way. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, but that's what they have done. Now, you know, I'm of the belief that based on what I've heard, what I've seen, all the reports that come out, I think Deshaun Watson should be suspended for the entire season. And then, you know, in 2023, let's see if he, you know, turns his life around, goes to counseling. He said he's in counseling. Let's see if he can, you know, make amends and, you know, just be a better person, be a better human being on and off the field. As I've yet to see Deshaun Watson truly take responsibility for what he has done. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's sad but true, Tyler. You know, still some people would disagree with you, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, obviously just I, I sympathize with the people that have been affected through all of this here. Um, you know, and and it's been a in a, a saga. It's been a real saga that's lasted more than a year and a half, Tyler. This is, you know, the first allegations came out or the first lawsuit, excuse me, came out in March of twenty twenty one, if I believe, right? So we're talking mm-hmm. about. You know, a year and a half of, of Deshaun Watson being a face of the NFL and the NFL having the stain on itself because of um, the allegations, which are very serious, and the number of allegations, which is is mind blowing, and you know, and, and just the fact that the Houston Texans settled on thirty, um, you know, uh, such cases, whereas Watson is facing twenty four civil lawsuits, um, is staggering. Um, and let's just, you know, repeat here for, 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 I guess, clarity's sake here. Deshaun Watson has said, you know, he's maintained his, his innocence, excuse me. Um, and along with that, he has also resettlements with 23 of the 24 cases against him, the lawsuits against him. Um, you know, on June 21st, 20 of those settlements were reached. And on Monday, when Judge Sue Robinson's decision came down, three more were settled. So, um, you know, it's just uh, I'll be interested to see what the NFL tries to do here. Um, you know, I and remember this when, when when it first came out and the talk of the suspension was first going on that Deshaun Watson, the NFL, NFLPA would take this decision to court. But, um, you know, the NFL, the court, you know, the court system don't doesn't want to deal with the NFL's affairs and the NFL's collective bargaining agreement 
kind of make it known that the NFL has final say on these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though that Judge Robinson was appointed to hear this case and make a judgment and the NFL can decide if it wanted to take the recommended uh, suspension or not. Yeah, it's widely known that the NFL plays the rule, role of judge, jury, and executioner. So at the end of the day, the NFL is going to have the last word. And I don't you know, care what the NFLPA comes out with, but the NFL is going to have the last word in all this. And we've seen it today that they filed an appeal, and we knew it was coming. We knew when that six games came out, we knew an appeal was coming. And then, and then not on top of that too, man, it's like, because the NFL has tried to put this hat on and hand these disciplines to these players, um, you know, six games is like a, is a marker, like you said, right, Tyler? So, mm-hmm. you know, six games is usually the, the, the marker for like one situation, not 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and our colleague, Nancy Armour said it the best in her column, um, kind of lambasting the NFL for this and the six game suspension. It's like, 24 lawsuits, he's got one quarter each in the six games suspended. Um, yeah. And when you think about it like that, it's not, you know, who, who feels great about that? Who Who is done right or who is who is the one that, that kind of, okay, says, uh, I feel okay with Deshaun Watson's suspension? You know, who yeah. outside of Browns fans um, who love the fact that Deshaun Watson is their new quarterback, who love the fact that he can probably potentially take him to the postseason and to the AFC title game, potentially Super Bowl, you know, if he gets it right on the field, you know, outside of them, you know, everybody else kind of feels a little slighted by this decision here. Yeah. And, you know, you said outside of Browns fans, I know Browns fans that do not want Deshaun Watson to be on the Cleveland Browns and are disappointed in the organization's decision to, you know, have him on the roster. Um, and, you know, it's hard to you know, disagree with them uh, for what Deshaun Watson has, you know, been alleged to doing and what the NFL has found in their investigation, Sue Robinson's report. But, you know, it's just, man, six games, like you said, it, it seems very lenient based on all the information that has come out. And I just wanted to point out that Deshaun Watson's base salary for his contract next year and four years after that is $46 million. But it just so happens that this year, his base salary is $1 million. So a six-game mm-hmm. suspension will only lose him $300,000 or so, which is and that that not is great. That's, it's not great, but that's great negotiation and great contract structuring by his agent because they were bracing for this. And they really are... I won't say happy, but they're really grateful that it was only six games because they were bracing for a year. Based on that, the way the contract language is and the way it's structured, they knew that Deshaun Watson could probably be banned from the NFL for an additional, oh, I'll say a year. And six, whew, that's tough. But, I mean, buckle up like a whole lot of other people have said around the NFL uh, during, uh, for this topic because it's – hardly over we still have a long way to go a long way to go we're going to talk about this next podcast off it unfortunately we're going to talk about this podcast after that we're going to talk about this week one of the nfl season in september deshaun watson let's come down to miami let's come to my side here another nfl investigation 
a report came out from the league and its findings in uh, finding that Dolphins owner Steve Ross and owner-in-waiting Bruce Beal made improper contact with both Tom uh, Tom Brady and former Saints coach Sean Payton uh, this offseason, like literally January. Um, you know, while they were members of the Buccaneers and the Saints, respectively, the Dolphins also made contact with Tom Brady during the 2019 season when he was a member of the New England Patriots. Um, and this all stemmed from the fact that Brian Flores blew the whistle, the former Dolphins coach, and sued the Dolphins in the NFL um, and alleged that Dolphins owner Steve Ross offered him $100,000 per game to lose. Um, so the Dolphins could tank and make uh, you know, themselves available for a higher pick, the number one pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Well, um, you know, on, Steve Ross has fined $1.5 million. Uh, Bruce Beal was also fined an, an amount as well. And um, the Dolphins have also lost a first-round pick next draft and a third-round pick in 2024. A slap on the wrist, honestly, when you think of Steve Ross's net worth being $8-point-something billion. That $1.5 is like 40 bucks for me and you, Tyler. Uh, but uh, overall, um, you had a great uh, Sports Seriously video where you summed up this year and gave a little bit of opinion on Tua Tunga-Vailoa here and, and even Coach Mike Mignano where they stand on these things. I would love to hear what you think about this, Tyler, because I have a reaction to this that's um, maybe not as serious as, as maybe some other people have, have had. Yeah, you know, first I like to say that I agree with – all what Brian Flores is claims. Uh, I think that they are true based on the track record from NFL coaches, um, owners, and, you know, executives, uh, based on what I've heard around the NFL and the way black coaches are treated and way the things that they have to go through. I mean, what Brian Flores said, <laughs> those claims, I mean, they have merit and the, where there's smoke, there's fire. And in this case, it's a, a huge forest fire. Um, you know, concerning the dolphins and, and what came out. <sighs> and like I said it, it, in my video, it, it, it's Stephen Ross and the Dolphins organization. And I know, Safed, you, you live in Miami. You covered the Dolphins for a number of years, and you did an excellent job. But the Dolphins should be ashamed of themselves. Um, for them to not only tamper, but, you know, almost, I won't say almost, but try to tank. Steven Ross was suggesting that the team tank to get better draft picks and get better draft position in 2020 draft. But, you know, it, like I said in that video, it's a slap in the face to Mike McDaniel and Tua Tungvaloa. And I say it's a slap in the face because, Mike McDaniel was not the team's first choice. It was Sean Payton. And, I mean, rightfully so. Sean Payton, a very successful Super Bowl winning head coach. He has, you know, the resume to prove it. But, you know, for that to come out, you have a rookie head coach, first season in Miami, and it's like, damn, I wasn't your first choice. Maybe even not your second. And then for Tua, it's like... <laughs> This is already a huge season for him. And I know, yes, I get into it all the time, halfway joking, probably not, but halfway. But this is a, a make or break season for Tua. And it has come out the last few seasons that the Miami Dolphins wanted Deshaun Watson. Now 
they wanted Tom Brady in 2019. They won him in as recent as <laughs> earlier this offseason. So, <laughs> like, you have shown time and time and again that you're not too high on Tua. You're not sure if he's your franchise quarterback. And you're looking for replacements that are better than him, whether it's Tom Brady or Deshaun Watson. You had failed attempts trying to pursue both of them and the head coach. And so now you're stuck with Tua. And Tua is <laughs> like, he's this seems like he's in a no win situation. I mean, you can, he can try to do right on and off the field, which he does. I mean, yes, maybe he's not the strongest arm. Maybe, maybe he's not a top 15 quarterback, but he's in a like a, an unwinnable situation. Based on, I mean, it's hard to perform and succeed on the field when you know that those higher up are have been looking for your replacement for multiple years now. So I, I agree, Tyler. That's my I, I agree, and um, you know, I've been, you know, for the people that have been Dolphins fans and followed me for a long time when I covered the team, and even here with this podcast that we've, you know, created here, Tyler. You know I've been to a Tonga as one of his biggest supporters on the field, and I hope he gets a fair shot. And plain and simple, he just not has not gotten a fair shot from his own team. Um, and before I get into Tua a little bit more, I want to say I think Mike, Mike McDaniel was the second choice, and I think he knew he was the second choice um, because there was news out around that time before the Dolphins hired him that Sean Payton, the Dolphins had interest in Sean Payton. And when they didn't get interest in, they hired Mike McDaniel. So I think Mike McDaniel knew what was going on. Um, I'm not sure if the Dolphins would fire Mike McDaniel after one year for Sean Payton. I don't even know if the Dolphins would have the audacity to go after Tom Brady and Sean Payton again if they were available this <laughs> offseason. They just might. They just might. But I don't know if they would have the audacity, but they just might. But, look, I want to go back here on Tua. And you said two things that I always fighted you about, fight with you about, the arm strength. He might not be a top 15 quarterback. Okay, great. Uh, do you blame the Dolphins for trying to go get Deshaun Watson, who might be a better quarterback? I don't blame them, but I blame how it all became public. Okay, okay. Let me ask you this now. Do you blame the Dolphins for trying to go get the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady? Probably have the same answer, right? You don't blame uh, them, but you're worried about I, how it came out public? The, pub, the public nature. And if you're – you two was a what a third year quarterback now year three going in you you don't you still don't know what type of quarterback that you have in him and you haven't put the necessary pieces around him to thrive no he's not Joe Burrow no he's not Justin Herbert there aren't many of those in NFL but you can still win games being a uh, top fifteen. Uh, an above average quarterback. We don't know if Tua is an above average quarterback. He's had above average moments. Yes. Where we can say that he's not elite, but mm -hmm. in today's NFL, you can still win games not and not have an elite quarterback if you still have the necessary pieces around you. And I think the Dolphins have done Tua a disservice yes, ever since have. he's entered the league and they haven't given him the confidence to succeed. And that's key. That That is huge. As an athlete, you need support in the back. And not even as an athlete, as, as any type of professional. You yeah. need to support 
from the people around you to succeed because if not it creates a toxic environment and that's what miami has right now because they've been trying to replace tua almost every single year he's been in the league yeah so here here's my stance on this too tyler and i think um look Tua has done his best poor guy had a press conference today and he's trying his best to let you know that i don't hear it i don't see it yada 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 but it's it's a it's a defense mechanism uh of the highest order you know um Tua knows what's going on Tua knows to talk about him um and when he's asked about it you know he tries to brush it off but you know well it's really the most he can do like what can he really do um and the most he really can do is shine out and ball out this season but the sad part is even if he does that and he makes the playoffs and leads the Dolphins, you know, pretty deep into a playoff run, do the Dolphins still want him after that? You know, that's a question that Tua Tagovailoa does not know. Um, but the thing here, um, Tyler, I want to mention here, and, and Steve Ross and, and Bruce Beal, these guys are Michigan men. Uh, so is CEO Tom Garfinkel for the Dolphins. Tom Brady's a Michigan man. That Michigan men like bond is like stronger than the Dolphins Patriots rivalry too because they were talking to him during the 2019 season, right? Um, I don't blame the Dolphins. I don't blame the owner one bit for trying to go get the greatest quarterback of all time, and I don't blame him for trying to go get one of the greatest coaches in our time right now in Sean Payton. Um, and the reason is is because this Dolphins team this year is the 50th anniversary of their perfect season, 1972, when they won every game, won a Super Bowl. It was the first of back-to-back titles. They haven't won a Super Bowl since, Tyler. I applaud them for trying to go get the greatest quarterback of all time. I applaud them for trying to go get a good coach in Sean Payton. Um, it's just the fact that they – not that they were caught even, Tyler. Not that they were caught. It was the fact that they were investigated. Brian Flores blew the whistle in this lawsuit, deservedly so because of what he did. And the NFL couldn't sit on his hands and just let this story go by. The NFL had to investigate, had to put out a report, had to give you some kind of – fine and draft pick laws and make it feel like, you know, even this tampering was unprecedented, uh, that the punishment kind of fit the crime. And the fact of the matter is, Tyler, tampering back channel conversations like the Dolphins had with Tom Brady and Sean Payton before they became public happen all the time. The fact of the matter is that, that the NFL had to put out a report in this and that they had to answer because of Brian Flores' lawsuit. And, and honestly, and I think Every other team in the NFL has had a back channel conversation with an agent for a player, for a coach. Every every job, you know, it kind of happens like this here, especially in sports. Uh, but the Dolphins, not only did they get caught, they were investigated because of the Flores lawsuit. And I think that's the big issue here. I don't blame Ross for trying to improve his team and for even wanting the number one pick in 2020 draft because you would have got Joe Burrow. Um, you know, and who knows if you'd be in this situation if you drafted Justin Herbert over Tua. But – um, you know, the owner wanted a better team, a better product on the field, was very clumsy in trying to doing that with all the tampering that's going on. It wasn't illegal, but come on, guys. He was investigated. A lot of other people have illegal conversations in this league all the time. So I, I get it. And, yes, uh, a, a lot of teams have illegal conversations and tamper. But how many of them go to extraordinary lengths to tamper? and to recruit players and recruit coaches that are under contract for multiple seasons. And I think that also has something to do with it. Because, I mean, we see every year there's tampering. When, you know, the new league year kicks off, players are agreeing to million-dollar contracts. 
30 seconds into the new league year. We, I mean, we call it a legal, never, a legal tampering period. Come on, guys. I, I don't know about you, but I have never negotiated any type of deal, whether it's a thousand dollars or a million dollars in 30 seconds. <laughs> so there's we see it every year. Yes, but yes, we the do. extraordinary lengths that the Dolphins went, I, I don't know if I can say another team has done that. I and think yes, the Brian Flores situation did shed light on the Dolphins. You talk about these lengths, Tyler, and, and look, the Dolphins talked to Tom Brady before the 2019 season, during the 2019 season, after the 2019 season, December of the 2021 season, after the 2021 season. So how many times are you going to talk to Tom Brady? This is what it, this is my point here. They're the Michigan men bond. They know Tom Brady. They're friends with each other. It's like me and you talking, Tyler. I texted you every day of the week, whatever, whatever, whatever. How many times am I going to talk to you, Tyler? It's, you know, it's not so much like a tampering in every conversation that they have. It's like, yo, you're going to come play for the Dolphins? Yo, you want to come play for the Dolphins? Yo, you think you want to be a minority owner and then come play for the Dolphins too? Like, it's it's basic conversation that's happening. I don't think it's really great lengths. I think it's just friends being friends and talking. And, all right, they talk a lot because they're friends. Nah, it's, it's a little bit more than that, Southhead. Let's not be naive. We're they not talk, they talk a lot. No, they talk a lot because they're friends, and the talk of the conversation is, yo, you want to come and play for my team? Okay, yeah. Yeah. And that, that happened a little bit uh, far too often. <laughs> it's not. It? Yeah, you know, what about Harbaugh, Michigan? We got yeah, these oof. new recruits coming in in Ann Arbor. We're going to be great this year. It's, it's they're, funny no, that, they're not it's, talking too much about that. It's funny that you brought up Harbaugh because – Steve Ross tried to hire Jim Harbaugh while he was at Stanford, while he had late Tony Sperano as his coach. Like, this is not, you know, this is this is the run of the business, <laughs> like how Steve Ross runs things. And he's a New York businessman. He's a real estate mogul, uh, $8.8 8 billion person, you know, with, with his, uh, you know, net worth and stuff like that. But uh, a businessman very much in other realms uh, of, of, of economy here, but but football, it's definitely not a strong suit for him. Yeah, now he's uh, on an unpaid vacation until, what, October 17th? This is so 17th. great. It, like, Steve Ross lives in New York, and he's he's like probably not going to show up to the Dolphins facility anyways, right? Like, he can, <laughs> The thing is, too, he can still come to games and go to Sunday. So, like, he can go to the game in the stadium, but he can't go across the street to the facility, which he built, by the way, which he built. He, he put a couple hundred million dollars to build his facility. He can't go in the facility till like mid-October, but it's okay. Right. He can go to the stadium and hang out and watch a game, then, you know, kind of go back to New York and not even show up at a building, you know? So what's what's it to say to really in a in a discipline? I mean, honestly, Tyler, what, when are the next league meetings? Like, are there like two league meetings from now to October or one maybe? I don't even know if and there then, are any. And then the $1.5 million fine to a billionaire, I mean, what is that? Ten dollars to him. It's a drop. It's a drop in a bucket, man. It's a drop in a bucket. I wish I had that bucket. I I wish I had the bucket too. (laughs) (laughs) So look, I think you know to close up this Dolphins conversation here is um, the NFL had to put out a statement, had to do an investigation because of what Brian Flores alleged. And honestly, we should talk about Brian Flores for a second here too, Tyler, because um, you know I guess he was shouting from the heavens in his lawsuit that all this was happening. The NFL, you know, essentially gave him credibility and said, yeah, it happened, acknowledged it. Um, but Brian Flores did not get the punish. He the punishment uh, Steve Ross got and the Dolphins got was certainly not the one that Brian Flores was hoping for. Um, not at all. Not at all. You know, and, and 
I think the NFL also in this investigation too, by ruling the way you did and disciplining the way you did, you essentially undermine the lawsuit in court. Yeah, you know, the tanking allegation and, uh, you know, him asking Brian Flores to, you know, tank and lose games for $100,000, that's pretty much a fireable offense because then now you're, you know, playing with the integrity of the, the game. So I think that was the key. And that's why, you know, Stephen Ross, you know, he's saying, Woof, I got I got off easy because that was the thing that would have gotten Stephen Ross exile from the NFL because you're playing with the integrity of the game. The Dolphins really wanted to tank. They shouldn't have hired Brian Flores or a coach, a first year coach trying to make his, um, you know, trying to make a mark for his career in the NFL. Brian Flores is a very, very. Um, you know, big man on integrity, you know, from covering him here in Miami. Uh, you know, this is a guy who grew up in Brooklyn, made, you know, 15 years with the New England Patriots organization. The game of football brought, gave him the opportunity to further his life and, and, and get out of the situations that he was in and become an NFL head coach. And you're just going to tell him to lose games. Brian Flores wasn't built like that. And, you know, his character has really been a highlight here to see. Um, in a time where people are kind of, you know, looking for other things than being high character people. Um, I just feel sorry for him because I don't know if NFL owner will give him a job again because, you know, they're going to worry about a conversation that they had with Flores as, as, as a head coach getting shown up in a lawsuit again. I just, I really feel for Brian Flores in that situation. That that's what I was going to say. And maybe this is me being overly optimistic, but I hope, that, you know, a positive result that comes out of this is Brian Flores gets a head coaching job in the NFL again. Now, again, based on what I've seen before, the NFL's track record, the blackballing of Colin Kaepernick and everything else, I'd be a fool to think that it's going to happen. But me being optimistic, I hope that a positive result coming out of this is he gets another chance and a chance of being on the NFL sidelines, being a head coach, not assistant, not yeah. a coordinator, a head coach. For the record, Brian Flores is a linebacker's coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Shout out to Mike Tomlin throwing a lifeline to my boy Brian Flores there. But uh, I'll be a realist here, Tyler. I don't know if Brian Flores gets a head coaching job in the next five years, maybe three years, who knows. But five years, I, I don't know. Maybe after that, we'll see. Maybe the NFL has a change of heart. Maybe the owner has a change of heart. But um, these owners stick together, man. Like we said, it's a – it's a high club. It's an exclusive club of 32 people. They look out for each other. And if one gets sued by Brian Flores, I'm pretty sure the other ones don't want to get sued by him either. We talked enough about the Browns and the Dolphins, and I'm glad we're on to this part of the podcast. Let's get some quick hitters in right now. Debo Samuel just got the bag, Tyler. Just got the bag. Three-year extension, $73.5 million max, uh, finally for uh, Debo Samuel, the wide receiver, turn running back, the big weapon in Kyle Shanahan's offense with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Tyler, your impressions, man. What do you think about this deal? There was a feeling after Debo Samuel made that trade request that both he and the 49ers were going to reconcile. I know people in his camp and 49ers camp that, you know, really wanted him to be in San Francisco. So this was kind of a predictable conclusion. And, you know, I'm happy for Debo that he gets to stay in San Francisco because the 49ers know kind of how to utilize that type of skill set that he is. And then I think that's a great look for Trey Lance too. you know, a young quarterback having the best playmaker in offense, you know, at his disposal. 
Shout out to Debo Samuel joining the 20 mil plus annual salary. Uh, before this season, only Deshaun, before this offseason, excuse me, only DeAndre Hopkins was above 20 mil. Now we got about eight or nine players in the mix. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, um, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin's in the mix. Chris Godwin, uh, Mike Williams, yeah, this goes yeah. to Cooper Cup. Is uh, Christian Kirk in that mix too? I think he's at 18 mil. Hold on, hold on. He doesn't. But still, never mind. I'm not gonna hate. I'm not gonna talk about nobody's pockets. Next up, Tyler. Let's go. Derrick Henry working to come back from a foot injury. We saw him last year uh, try to make a run in the playoffs after having his foot injury midseason. Um, obviously, did not have the burst. Did not have the uh, playmaking ability that carried the Titans for the past couple years. Nice to see Derrick Henry back, right, Tyler? It's really good to see him back. I don't think it's talked about enough that Derrick Henry almost rushed for a thousand yards last season in eight games. <laughs> in eight games, he could have rushed for two thousand yards last season if he played an entire season. Tyler, my point here too uh, with Derrick Henry, man, I low key kind of forget about the Titans, man. Like I had the Colts coming out of the AFC South. I only have one AFC South team uh, making the playoffs this year, but. I mean, you can't go against Derrick Henry. They were the number one seed a couple years ago um, and, you know, have gone to the AFC, deep in the AFC playoffs the last couple of years too. So for them to be in the mix, I think they still stay in the mix with Derrick Henry. He's got to stay healthy, obviously. I wouldn't be in a rush to bring him back, but I'm interested to see how the AFC South plays out. See, it's, it, lucky for you, I still have nightmares about the Tennessee Titans, specifically Ryan Tannehill. He threw three interceptions and literally cost him the game against the Bengals. Good for the Bengals for intercepting him three times, but Ryan Tannehill just threw the game. Three interceptions, Ima- drop it. Imagine the Dolphins fans for seven years with that. <laughs> um, another um, OBJ, NFL.com wrote, had a you know nice little interesting story projecting that OBJ could wind up with the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if I like that move, Tyler. What do you think? Where do you think OBJ ends up when he gets healthy again from knee surgery? I would love to see Odo Beckham Jr. in Green Bay with the Packers. I don't think the Packers what? are done with their wide receiver room. I would like to see him in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. I want to see him running back in L.A., man. Why would you go and try to go aspire for something else when you got a championship team already there made for you in L.A., man? He might be the third receiver. He would be the third receiver, actually, in L.A. because they got Allen Robinson to kind of replace him. They won't say that publicly, but Allen Robinson is going to be the number two receiver behind Cooper Cup. So if Odell Beckham Jr. goes to L.A., he's going to be third fiddle. And don't forget, they I still mean, have Tyler Higby at tight end. So he might be fourth fiddle. <laughs> I, I mean, look, they're going to need LBJ because, you know, they started the season with Van Jefferson needing foot, uh, knee surgery, I believe. Uh, but he's expected to come back. It's not something really long term. But um, how many people is um, is uh, Allen Robinson going to replace? Man, you got to replace Robert Woods. Got to replace Odell Beckham. You got to replace Van Jefferson right now. I mean, Cooper Cup's going to catch two hundred footballs anyway, so <laughs> there's not much more to go. There's only one football. Allen Robinson can get about 60, 70 catches. That's almost three hundred balls right there. Cooper Cup is going to get the lion's share of Matthew Stafford's passes. So yes. I don't know how many passes Odell Beckham Jr. is going to catch in Los Angeles if he goes back there. Tyler, I got one more headline that really made me smile this week. Uh, Formula One driver Sir Lewis Hamilton um, is joining the Denver Broncos ownership group. Um, really great to see a black athlete joining an NFL ownership group. We got a couple of them out there. I know Serena Williams and Venus Williams are kind of partners with the Dolphins. <laughs> 
to an extent, not too much. I, I don't think Lewis Hamilton is going to be a very active role, but still nice to see a black athlete getting uh, an opportunity to shine with an ownership group with the Broncos who just uh, sold their team. Yeah, it is always great to see that. We already know that NFL, uh, they do not have enough uh, minority owners, so it's always good to see a, another minority owner. But I cannot wait for the NFL to have a majority owner who is minority. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time F1 champion. Uh, Tyler, after that F1 project uh, that I did earlier this year in Miami, I became a huge, huge F1 follower now. You still don't know anything about driving a race? No, not at all. Is F one NASCAR? Is F one IndyCar? No, no, it's not. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna get us kicked off the air by our own producer Richard Morin, who's gonna come right after us for this. But this opens <laughs> an interesting question because uh, I think there's a lot. I mean, you see it in other sports, but there's a lot of athlete co ownership in soccer. And obviously, I'm gonna try to bring everything back to the sport of soccer. But you've got LeBron James who has part ownership in Liverpool. You've got Kevin Durant who owns part of uh, Philadelphia Union in the in MLS. You've got Serena Williams part of um, the women's team in Los Angeles. And so now seeing it kind of dip into NFL, and you've got a non NFL player in Lewis Hamilton joining the Denver Broncos. I'm curious if you could pick any athlete from a sport outside of football to take control of any NFL team, who would it be and why? So I have a serious answer and I have a, a, a not so serious, funny answer. My serious answer is LeBron James. Of course. I mean, he's of course yeah, a, we know. a billionaire. I think he would be good as an owner. And there's he's al already said he wants to be an NBA owner. So I think he has the right mindset and, you know, obviously a champion to build a, a winning type franchise, no matter the sport. Now, my funny answer and not so serious answer, and y'all going to laugh at this, is Floyd Mayweather. And I say Floyd Mayweather. Why Floyd? Because man? I mean, if what it, team? It, what team like, do you want to put through that disaster? <laughs> Either uh, the Raiders or the Dolphins. And I say this because <laughs> it's gonna be a party topic. Like, I mean, you're gonna have a nice uh -huh. pool. You're gonna have a uh, bars all over. It's gonna be a party. It's gonna be a party. Floyd Mayweather just gonna turn that stadium into his house. Right, huh? right. And then you know, you know, when you know. Uh, the team scores a touchdown. There could be money flowing. <laughs> It'll be a party. All Floyd Wade Mother's money just going. You would think an NFL owner by now with all the money these guys have would throw money in the stands. Floyd Mayweather fans, just right? like to spend money. So I, I, this I happens like. in Las Vegas. Did you know that there's a team in Las Vegas that has a helicopter money drop during their team? It's the Las Vegas Lights. They play in the lower division of soccer. And I kid you not, on certain nights of the week, they will have a money helicopter come and it just drops legit money on the crowd. It happens. So it's, Sermily, it's this is a, See, This is great, Tyler. I'm going to have to make a trip to Las Vegas and we're going to have to do some more investigating. If, if, Floyd, if Floyd Mayweather owned the Raiders, <clears throat> Dre's nightclub would be in the Legion Stadium. If Floyd <laughs> Mayweather owned the Dolphins, then live would be in Hard Rock Stadium. They, 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 it's already in there. Oh, Tyler's already in oh, there. It it's already in there, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. See? see, there you go. He, <laughs> he would upgrade it. If I had to pick Tyler, I would put Dwayne Wade to be the Dolphins owner. That would be easy for me. Hmm. Just keep that Miami connection. Somebody who actually won a title in Miami, you know what I'm saying? That would be great for me. Uh, who else would I put? You you picked a boxing celebrity. That's great. That's great. Put <laughs> Mike Tyson on a team. No. <laughs> Why not? Love new Mike Tyson, man. I'll ride with Mike Tyson to the yeah. That might be a train wreck. 
what about the Vegas Raiders? You have like a, a tiger show up in the room, you know, I, I know, right? Tiger, like the hangover. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's all it's all about entertainment. The entertainment would come with both Tyson and Mayweather. Today is Tom Brady's forty fifth birthday. We are recording this. We'll go a little behind the scenes, and it is Tom Edward Patrick Brady Jr.'s forty hey. fifth birthday he was born in 1977 and i'm just gonna this is not birthday to dolphins quarterback tom brady (laughs) (laughs) this is not the best for an audio platform but maybe we'll show it up later i think leonard Fournette wins for the best birthday (laughs) gift of all time and i'll drop it in the chat in case uh tyler hasn't seen it and we'll share it it for everyone else it is a goat cake an amazing goat cake created by a local bakery the cake girl it's a vanilla cake all edible with a mix of fondant and it is a very like almost too lifelike goat for me like (laughs) it's a little bit too spot on but it's a goat's head and next to it has a little card that says happy 100th birthday so leonard Fournette just giving a little love to tom brady with a 3d uh goat cake for his 100th birthday so happy birthday tom brady happy birthday to tom brady i will say i still do question if he is the goat though I mean, maybe he might be the best quarterback of all time, but he's not the best NFL player of all time. And he's certainly not the best athlete of all time. So is he the GOAT? That's fine. Athlete, yeah, great. Okay. Better football players than him? I mean, yeah. who got more rings than him? Football's a team sport. Jerry Rice. Dion. Um, Jerry Rice, Jim Brown, and Lawrence Taylor, they're my GOATs. Okay. You think the Dolphins sent Tom Brady a birthday gift? Um, if I'm Miami, I'm uh, sending him a thousand dollar gift card to Prime One Twelve, and then maybe a during the bye week, live on Sundays. You can't even get a glass of water for a thousand dollars at Prime One Twelve, Tyler. <laughs> no comment. I gotta, I gotta bring you around Miami so you really know what it is, <laughs> guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. I'm Savid Dean. That was Tyler Dragon. Uh, we're going to be here all NFL season. We still got a couple more weeks of training camp with some big news coming up, too. So if you haven't already, download the USA Today Sports Plus app in your Apple Store and your Google Play. We'll have all your NFL updates for all your favorite teams in that app. So download it and you can stay tuned in with us as well. Thanks for listening to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. And we'll see you next week. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder.